Hello, friends, and welcome to another 12 Stone Spirituality Podcast. So glad that you uh, are able to join uh, me today. Uh, really excited uh, about, uh, again, I've said this before, but really, really excited about all the uh, incredible feedback that uh, I just continue to get with the podcast. Um, appreciate you guys liking it, sharing it, commenting on it, sending me message. Uh, messages. Uh, it is it is an exciting time, uh, and I really really want to just tell you how much I appreciate you listening um, and spending some time uh, with me uh, each week. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So uh, thank you guys for for tuning in and being a part of this. I want to go ahead and jump on into uh, today's uh, podcast, which is called Rearview Mirrors, Dragons, and Runaway Horses. <clears throat> So I want to start off by telling you a story, a story of a woman named Peggy. Uh, Now, Peggy is someone that I knew uh, growing up. Peggy, when I was a a teenager, Peggy was in her early 60s, um, probably late 50s, early 60s. Uh, Now, I didn't call her Peggy. She uh, was known around our little our little town, our little rural town, as Crazy Peg. Now, let me give you a little description of Peggy. Peggy was about as tall as she was wide. She wore a purple uh, sweatsuit all the time. Uh, I, I remember her being in this purple sweatsuit all the time. So she was short. She was stocky. She wore this big purple sweatsuit. She had this really crazy, frizzy, gray hair that just kind of went everywhere. And she always had this look <clears throat> in her eyes. It was sort of a, a combination between being distant and in a far-off place with a little tinge of crazy. Now, I know it probably sounds really mean the way I'm describing her, but you, you really have to understand this is, this is the way... Peggy looked. Um, this is and and she looked this all the time. And so when we'd see her uh, in town, when we'd see her um, uh, at she uh, would, would attend the church I went to occasionally. Uh, when we'd see her in these different places, you just looked at her and you think you would think to yourself, "Man, what is going on inside her head?" Um, she she just had this this strange demeanor. Uh, where you, you could tell she was always right on the edge of something. I'm not sure what that something was, but she was always right on the edge. I remember one day uh, I was driving <clears throat> near the um, Civic Center, which was the YMCA of my, uh, of my hometown. And I was driving and uh, Peggy pulled out in front of me. Now Peggy had a, uh, an old gray beat up, Oldsmobile. I'm talking about one of those old boats, you know, the big, long ones, um, big, long, gray uh, boat with four wheels. And it was beat up. It had rust on the, on the sides. It was missing hubcaps. Uh, it was tilted just a little. The axle was tilted just a little. Um, and so she pulls out in front of me <clears throat> and truthfully pulled right out in front of me. I, I She didn't even see me. Uh, so... I realized it was Peggy, 
And uh, so I'm just driving behind her and there's a stop sign coming up. And so she stops at the stop sign and I pull up behind her. And I'm looking at her and I can see her wild, gray, frizzy hair. And as I look, I realize that Crazy Peg doesn't have a rear view mirror. This beat up old Oldsmobile at some point, the rear view mirror has fallen out and she never got it replaced. And so she's driving down the road, only able to look in front of her, which of course was scary. I mean, it's scary to me uh, just thinking about how she had just driven in front of me. But as I began to think about that, I thought, how interesting that she can only look forward. Because see, what I knew about Crazy Peg was that she had had a really hard life. She was actually an incredibly smart, accomplished woman, a scholar, uh, someone who uh, was well-respected. She was a, a, a successful person in her job. And then she lost her job. <clears throat> and I'm not sure how many years ago it was, but it was, it, was, it was a while back. She lost her job. She and her husband, uh, they had a couple of kids, and they fell on hard times. She ended up, um, she and her husband ended up getting a divorce. And through all that, her kids ended up... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, living with her husband. Uh, I'm not sure. Some people have said that she had a a, a mental breakdown during that time. And her whole world just came crumbling, came crashing down. And as I'm sitting there at that stop sign, looking at Crazy Peg in her beat-up, light gray, rust-covered, rear view mirrorless Oldsmobile I couldn't help but think what if her life didn't have the rear view mirror what if she could start life only looking forward what if we could remove the effect of her rear view What would her life look like now? What would her life look like if it wasn't constantly being shaped and determined, not just shaped, but determined by what had happened in her rear view? A guy who I just deeply love and admire, uh, Father Richard Rohr. Uh, And if you don't know Rohr, uh, I really encourage you. You need to check him out. He's amazing. He's a um, Franciscan monk uh, who uh, lives out in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, you should look him up. He has uh, a ton of just absolutely amazing books. You need to check Roar out. But Roar <clears throat> talks about how there's scientific research uh, that says that when we receive a positive comment, when we receive positive information or a positive comment, that there is something that happens neurologically in our brain 
that allows that positive comment to have the lifespan of five to seven seconds. And he talks about it as slipping off of our, out of our mind like Teflon. So positive comments have about a five to seven second lifespan and they kind of slip out of our mind like Teflon. But when we receive a negative comment, when we receive negative news, when we receive a worry, it holds on like Velcro. So positive slides off like Teflon. Negative holds on like Velcro. And you know this. Uh, I'm not telling you anything new. Uh, I'm just telling you that there's actually science that proves it uh, and that somebody came up with a really clever uh, metaphor of Teflon and Velcro. But you know this. You know it at work. You know when the boss comes in and gives you uh, a negative report. You know when you get that customer review that doesn't quite jive. You know when your spouse or your partner says something that, that that's uh, not meant to be mean, but, but you hold on to it forever. I am so guilty of this. And I shouldn't even say guilty. It's just it's neurological. Uh, it's, it's not like we've done something wrong, but it holds on. Something about our brain chemistry holds on to it. And a lot of folks will say that, <clears throat> and I agree with this, it's because we learn from our mistakes. Uh, it's important. It's, a, it's an evolutionary uh, 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 piece that's built into us where we hold on to the things that we've done wrong because that will help us not do them again. And it actually helps us survive and, and evolve, which makes great sense. But what happens is when we hold on to all the negative and all the positive slides off like Teflon, we enter into a completely different way of seeing the world. Here is what I want us to understand today. Events and their meaning, events and their meaning are ever-changing. They're amorphous. What is a positive event today can very easily have negative ramifications tomorrow. And what seems like the greatest thing since sliced bread today can have unbelievably devastating effects the next day. And we just have no clue. We have no clue how these things are going to play out. Uh, it, I, I see it all the time with people, you know, the, the person loses the job and they think it's the worst thing that's ever happened. And then they get out a month later, they have a new job and they are the happiest they have ever been. And they had no clue the stress that was heaped upon them during that job. I see it where, you, you, you know, you have the classic lottery example. What, you know, what's the thing you want more than anything in the world? I want to win the lottery. And people win the lottery and they have these unbelievably negative effects that just follow them. Initial emotion is fleeting. The meaning of the events of our lives are always changing. They move and they flow and they change. They evolve. There is no one ramification to every event. They change, just like we change, just like our circumstances change. 
And so what I wanted to what I want to encourage us to do is to hold the emotions that surround the events of our lives. I want us to hold those emotions loosely. If something is the greatest thing in the world today, well, let's celebrate it. Let's take joy in that. But let's hold that emotion loosely. And if you get this news that, that, that is so painful, or you, or you get uh, that pink slip, uh, or uh, you, you find out that a, that a relationship is ending, mourn that. Feel the pain Of course, don't deny those things, but hold on to them loosely because you have no clue what tomorrow is going to look like. We have no clue how those events are going to play out. See, the events in our lives are far more complex and have far deeper vibration patterns through our lives than we can ever imagine. It's like when you drop a drop of water into a glass. It begins to ripple out, and it begins to play out in ways that are different than that initial drop of water. Jesus talks about worry. <clears throat> I love in... In, um, uh, in the book of Matthew, and so if you're not familiar with the with the Christian um, New Testament, uh, the book of Matthew uh, is the, the first book uh, in, in the New Testament. And, and in that book, chapters 5 through 7, uh, there is uh, an incredibly important set of teachings called the Sermon on the Mount. And most scholars will say, you know, if you want to fully, if you want to really understand uh, the kind of opus of Jesus, the the MO of Jesus, like what he is really trying to do in the world. You just need to really understand Matthew's chapter, Matthew chapters five through seven. And so square, slap dab, right in the middle of this Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter six, verse 34, here's what he says. <clears throat> he says, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring enough worries of its own Today's trouble is enough for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got its own thing, okay? Today has enough for today. Tomorrow's going to have its own thing. And by the way, yesterday, yeah, it had its own things too. Both good, bad, and and what I would say uh, is very few of those are good or bad. Uh, They're ever-changing. Emotion is fleeting, Let the events play out. What feels right, what feels amazing, what feels good today can have a completely different feeling tomorrow. The way we feel about things uh, is, is always going to move and to ebb and to flow. And so what we have to learn to do is to hold those emotions as object. And what I mean by that is when you have an emotion well up inside of you, you know, a situation has produced a certain emotion, don't let the emotion overcome you. And I mean that with both negative emotions and positive emotions and everything in between. 
Hold that emotion as object. I'm not saying don't feel it, because you should. You should feel your emotions, fully feel them. But know that emotion is only one piece of what's happening to you, with you, around you, and in front of you. So let events play out and hold those emotions loosely. My uh, uh, family and I were watching a movie the other day. This movie is called Pete's Dragon. uh, And it's based off of a book uh, and was done by Disney uh, a long time ago. And in Pete's Dragon, uh, it's a modern telling of, of, of this older story. Uh, and uh, as you can imagine, there's a dragon, uh, and there's a little boy named Pete. Uh, and I'm not going to give the plot of the story away. It was a really nice little movie. It was great to watch uh, with my kids. But my little girl, my little girl Nora, my youngest, who's four and a half, Nora deeply feels everything. She has these incredible emotional receptors, and she deeply feels pain and she deeply feels joy Uh, and she's just amazing in this way and and we're sitting there on the couch and and a hard part in the movie uh, starts to happen and Nora burst out crying she was so deeply feeling this emotional moment in the movie and she just burst out crying and then immediately she started asking a bunch of questions she started asking questions about what's going to happen to this character. Why, why is this happening? Why, what, what, what's going to happen next? Why couldn't they have stopped this? And, and she just is asking all these questions in a panic. <clears throat> now, my, my older kids are like, Nora, calm down. It's going to be okay. Just, just, just be quiet. Watch the movie. Watch the movie. And then another emotional thing will happen. She bursts out crying again, and she starts asking the same kinds of questions wanting to have <clears throat> resolution, wanting to have understanding. And she does this like three times through the movie. And my, my older kids are starting to get frustrated with her. And I tell them, I say, calm down, let her, you know, let her feel what she's feeling. Here's the thing. The reason why they could watch the movie, feel the emotion but not burst out crying every time something um, tough happens and not burst out with a million questions trying to seek resolution in that moment is because my older kids have watched enough movies. They've read enough books. They've seen enough things to know that there's more to come. To be patient to let the movie play out, let the story play out, let it continue, because the emotion, the thing that's happening in this one moment doesn't define the entire story. They have been here before. They felt the emotion before, and they've seen the emotion change. They've seen the emotion in a story go from uh, exhilaration and joy to heartache and, and bitterness and sadness to return to a whole different place of resolution. 
And so my older kids, they have this patience. They don't even know it, but they have this patience. They've been there before and they know to just let the story play out. They know to not hold on to the emotion, but let the emotion come and go. Let it take them on a journey and to hold it an object and not to let it define every piece of how they are viewing that story or how they're reading the story. They knew there was more to come. They were getting frustrated because they were sitting at a different place with a different perspective and different experiences than my youngest was. She was experiencing every emotion so deeply uh, and so profoundly. And for her, whatever the emotion was in that moment, that was the only thing that mattered. Here's the thing, friends. Most of us live at least part of our lives, and I think probably a lot of us live maybe more than that in the exact same way my little Nora was watching Pete's Dragon. That whatever emotion comes up, we grab a hold of it and we hold on to it tightly. And that emotion defines everything. That emotion is the key and we hold on to it as though we will always feel that way and as though we have always felt that way. This is what I'm talking about when I'm saying we have to hold emotion as object. We have to hold it out. We can feel it, absolutely. Of course we can feel it. But what we have to do is to hold it and not let it define every moment and not let it define us. What we have to do is to be able to hold that emotion and know that just as quickly as it came on, it so can leave. It's fleeting. The more that we practice this, the more that we step back, the more that we refuse to let emotion be the only thing that drives us, the more practice we get and the greater ability that we have to take a step back and not get into a tizzy, not to freak out every time something bad happens. I see people all the time who their kid will start crying in the grocery store or something will go wrong with their business or they will have a golf shot that just doesn't go the right way and they lose it. And that emotion of that moment overtakes them. And it's like they don't have the ability just to take a step back, to look at the greater scope of things And to realize that there was pain before and there was joy before. And there will be pain after and there will be joy after. And we don't know how either one of those things are going to play out. And we don't know how they're going to come and how they're going to go. So many of us walk through life the way my little girl walked through that movie. And it is detrimental to us and it's detrimental to those who are around us and those who love us. We have to take a step back. We have to breathe. 
We have to see that there's a longer, a broader scope of what happens in our lives. And we have to just know that this moment is fleeting and it too shall pass. I heard a story the other day of a farmer. And this farmer lived in a village and uh, he woke up one morning and um, his horse ran away. And the people of the village came to him and said, oh, what incredible misfortune. You had this one horse and, and now it's gone. And they were so sad and, and they expected him to, uh, to latch on uh, to their emotion. And they said, oh, aren't you so sad? Isn't this terrible? And the farmer said, we'll see. The next morning, <clears throat> the farmer wakes up. His horse has returned with three other wild horses. And the people of the village came and they said, Oh my goodness, what great fortune. Uh, aren't you so happy? Aren't you so grateful uh, that now you're, not only has your horse returned, but three other horses have returned with it? Aren't you so happy? Isn't this the greatest moment? And the farmer looked at them and the farmer said, We'll see. The next day, his son goes out uh, and uh, gets on one of the wild horses and, and begins to try to tame it and to try to ride it. The horse bucks, throws his son from the horse, and his son breaks his leg. The people of the village came and said, oh, what terrible fortune. Aren't you so sad? Aren't you so sad that those horses came and, and now your son's leg is broken and he's not going to be able to help out at the farm and he's not going to be able to, to do his chores and, 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 and things could, could go awry for you. Aren't you so sad? And the farmer said, we'll see. The next morning, war breaks out in the country and the army comes marching through town, uh, through, through the little village and the army is uh, drafting all the young men in the town who are of able body. And they come to the farmer's house and they knock on the door and they walk in and see his son, his only son, uh, sitting there, leg broken and propped up. And they pass by because his leg was broken and he's not able-bodied. And the people of the village came to the farmer and says, aren't you so glad? What great fortune. Aren't you so happy? And the farmer said, we'll see. You see, the farmer did something that you and I have to work so hard at. The farmer was able to take a step back and realize <clears throat> that the emotion of the moment the thing that was happening in that moment was not the last thing. It was not the final thing. That yes, in that moment, certain pieces felt really bad and certain pieces felt really good, but he knew that our lives are always changing. They're always swirling and different things, different emotions, different ramifications are always coming down the road. And we have no clue how those things will play out. And so he refused to define every event 
as either good or bad, knowing that every event has both bad and good and a whole lot of gray in it. That every event will have different ramifications. And so you and I have to do the same thing. We have to look at the moments in our lives. Uh, We have to look at the events. We have to look at the little things that are happening. And we have to know that, yes, there are ramifications in that moment. There are emotions in that moment. But those are not the only emotions. There's still more story to tell. There's a longer plot line. There's more to come. As we grow, as we grow and we mature, our perspective broadens. And as our perspective broadens, as we are aware of what's happening, as we learn to hold things as object, we begin to learn the lesson and develop the practice to not hold on to those emotions, to let them come and let them go. Again, we still feel them. We still feel those things, but we don't hold on to them. We don't let the temporal emotions make eternal judgments. And the more we practice this, just like anything, the more you practice this, the better we are able to remember in those times of hardship that there is a broader narrative, that there is a longer timeline. The more you practice this, the more confidence you can have. Because just like my older kids who were watching the movie, they've been there before. They know there's more to come. They felt the emotion, but they didn't let it define them. So what I want to encourage you to do today, tomorrow, for the rest of your life, is when you feel the emotion, when you feel it coming on, feel it. Fully feel it. Because those emotions, they, 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 they give spice to our life. They flavor our life. But what you have to remember is that those emotions will change. So feel them fully and then take a step back and breathe. When you and your partner get into uh, an argument, feel those emotions. But take a step back and don't let the emotion determine your action. When you're feeling sad and beat down, you come home from work and you have worked another 60-hour week. You feel like you're still completely under the paperwork and you feel like no one appreciates you. Feel those emotions. Take a step back and realize that you will not feel this way the rest of your life. Hold those emotions as object and look at the world through the perspective of a long, broad narrative. When we do this, life has balance. When we do this, we follow that teaching of Jesus where he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough things to think about, to worry about, to be joyful about. Tomorrow has enough things of its own, okay? Today, today is what you need to think about. Don't worry about it. Emotion is fleeting. There's a broader narrative. Live into it. Take a step back 
take a deep breath and know that there's a long game. There's a broader narrative and there's a longer timeline. Hope you have a great day. Hope you're able to hold those emotions as object. And I hope you're able to see the beauty that's all around us. Go and do good today, my friends. I'll see you soon.